0: Why do so many Christian leaders seem to fall prey to the temptations of money, sex, and power? What can leaders do to protect themselves from falling into sin in these areas? Stay tuned to hear Dr. David K. Bernard share his thoughts on these important questions. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In apostolic life in the 21st century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, we encourage you to check out Dr. David K. Bernard's books, Dr. Bernard has written more than 30 books on biblical theology and Christian living and leadership. Visit pentecostalpublishing.com and search David Bernard for a list of available titles. Enter promo code DKB10 at checkout to save 10% on your order. That's pentecostalpublishing.com promo code DKB10 to save 10% at checkout. In your book, Spiritual Leadership in the 21st Century, you note that spiritual leaders face three major temptations. Those temptations are the misuse of money, sex, and power. You wrote that while all Christians are susceptible to these temptations, they are particularly dangerous for stewards of God's people why do you believe that Christian leaders are especially susceptible to these three temptations and what can we do to
1: protect ourselves in these areas? You mentioned my book, Spiritual Leadership in the 21st Century. So I do have a chapter on that subject if you want to read more about it. And I would say uh, these three uh, dangers are not original to me. Many leaders, um, Christian teachers have pointed out these problems. And I would say they're common to the human race and uh, there are common temptations for all christians after all if you go to first john 2 15 through 17 uh, it says there are three main sources of temptation and therefore you can argue all sin can probably be classified in one one or more of those three categories the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life and so you can easily see lust of the flesh would include but it's not limited to to sexual immorality uh also, you could include greed in that uh, lust of the eyes. Again, temptation that comes through the eyes—that's primarily again sexual immorality or uh, covetousness, greed. You you see something that you desire, and then the pride of life refers to the ego, the self-will, uh, the will for power, uh, the the idea that you can be an exception to the rule, and so you can easily see that the three. Temptation that I mentioned for leaders are really common to the human race and uh, rooted in what the Bible has taught us. But I do think they're more a problem for leaders because leaders are stewards of other people. And so they have more opportunity and more temptation than the average person. For example, money. A Christian leader usually is a steward over money that comes into the church. So a pastor, or a church board member, or other senior leader often has lots of oversight of money that comes into the church. And while there may be some and should be some checks and balances, there's a high degree of trust in leaders to administrate finances properly. So along that, that greater opportunity comes a greater temptation. The same way with sexual immorality. Leaders are often in a position of trust over other people. That means people are vulnerable to them. People will share confidence with them, will feel close to them. And there is a psychological principle that's known to counselors that when a person is looking to a leader for help, there's an emotional uh, connection, which uh, especially of a, a person is needy or unhealthy, that can become an emotional dependence, which can turn into a sexual attraction. It's not necessary that the leader is an extraordinary uh, object of sexual attraction, but it's that some of the people that the leader is leading may be particularly vulnerable, needy, uh, psychologically dependent and so it's easy it would be easy to take advantage of that kind of person. so that leads to sexual temptation. And then the third thing is power and once again leaders in a position where they're given more power and authority um, not only in the areas I've already mentioned, but they make decisions that f- and affect other people. And they're trusted to make those decisions. So there's a greater temptation to use, to make those decisions for personal advantage, for personal gain, according to personal opinion, uh, to give an advantage to their family or to their close friends, what is called nepotism or cronyism. And I would hasten to add that it's, it's, it's fine to involve your family and your friends in the life of the church, but you have to be careful to treat them in, in the same way as everybody else. If you give them advantages, you have to give others those same advantages. If you give them opportunities, you have to be willing to share those same types of opportunities with others. If they're in need of discipline or correction, you have to correct them just like you would others. And so, but there's this temptation to use your power for improper or unfair advantages to yourself or to your family or to your friends. And so, uh, because of the, what I've just mentioned, yes, these are greater temptations for leaders. Now, how do you deal with those temptations? Let me give you a couple of uh, key points, which is good for all Christians, but especially for leaders. First of all, your relationship with God. You need to ma- maintain a strong relationship with God. You need to feel that you are personally accountable to God for what you do. That even if nobody else knows what you're doing, or even if nobody else cares what you're doing, you are going to give account to God. You must follow the teaching of scripture. You must follow what is just and right, merciful and fair, because ultimately you are accountable directly to God as his servant. And that has to include prayer, Bible study, you know, the human heart is very capable of finding excuses for anything we want to do. Whenever somebody else does wrong, it's easy for us to identify that as wrong. When we do the same thing, we have excuses and justifications. Well, it was an exceptional case. Well, this, well, that. And so the only antidote to that is to continually go to God in prayer and ask him, check my motives. Help me see what I don't see. If there's secret sin in me, reveal it to me. Humble yourself in God's sight. Then study God's Word and study teachings about God's Word. Uh, study ethics and uh, study what respective leaders have said is the proper course of action. Don't justify yourself in making exceptions, but listen to that teaching and make sure you understand the ethics are found in the Bible, and we have great ethical standards. Uh, my book, Spiritual Leadership, has a chapter on ethics um, in the UPCI manual. Uh, We have a position paper on ministerial ethics. These are great things. They're objective guidelines that will help us know what's right and what's wrong in various situations that we face. Help us avoiding, uh, self-justification. But, uh, the second thing is we need to be accountable to others. So if you're married, you need to be accountable to your spouse. Um, you should be accountable to spiritual leaders, to your pastor to other leaders in your life. Even if you're a senior pastor, you should have leaders in your life to whom you feel personally accountable. Even I, as a general superintendent, I need to feel personally accountable to the general board to report to them, to feel accountable to spiritual peers, friends that I've known for years that I know to be ethical and honest, that have my best interest at heart, that I would have a close enough relationship that they would pray for me. If they sense anything that I'm getting off track, they would tell me. Or if I have a question or concern or I'm wrestling with something, I could go to them and get their advice. All of us should have spiritual leaders, and even as we get into senior ministry positions, spiritual peers to whom we are accountable, not only in theory, but in fact. And not only just people we've chosen based on our philosophy and knowing they'll let us do what we want, but leaders that God has placed in our lives that may not be our choices, but our, our pastor uh, or Maybe elected or appointed leaders that maybe we didn't personally appoint or elect, but God has placed them at least in some role, uh, in authority and we heed that authority because we respect their position and we respect God's plan and we respect the, the structure of the church. Third thing I would say is we need practical guidelines. I've already alluded to this, but when it comes to the use of money, there should be clear guidelines, accounting principles, legal principles, uh, following proper tax uh, guidance and authorities. You know, there, there are laws and, in addition to laws, there are ethics and the church should have structure. Uh, there, 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 should be more than one person overseeing the finances and, uh, no one person should have, uh, complete discretion or everyone should have accountability, no, no matter who they are. The same way in, tr- uh, Counseling people and dealing with people of the opposite sex, dealing with children. You should have some clear, objective guidelines that you're not going to counsel them in private um, without someone else or without an open door or something where you are visibly accountable. And I could go on and on. The same thing with power, that you you have some guidelines that you will not abuse people. You will not mistreat them or manipulate them, but you will treat them fairly and objectively according to certain policies and procedures. So every church should have policies and procedures in place that give you objective guidelines in different situations for how you make decisions, how you treat people. So by establishing accountability and guidelines in the form of policies and procedures, you can make sure that you follow um God's teaching and you minimize temptation, but no system is perfect in that regard. So you still have to go back to your own relation with God, your relationship with your spouse, and your relationship with spiritual leaders and spiritual peers who can help you even beyond any policies and guidelines. Thank you for listening to this episode of
0: Apostolic Life in the 21st Century.